This talk was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church, as part of the 2022 Summer Training Project. For more information on Summer Training Project or Campus Outreach Minneapolis, visit cominneapolis.org. Uh, I've loved seeing you guys in the morning, and I just want to encourage you, never again in your life, probably, are you going to have an experience like this where you're going to be able to do it. When I graduated from college, I was involved with Campus Outreach, came on a couple of projects, and then I started um, a job as a consultant, and um, my work schedule was such that I had to be out the door by 6 in the morning, and then sometimes I would work 12 hours, 12 hour days, and I wouldn't get home until 6 or 6.30, and um, you are exhausted after work. <laughs> you're, I mean, you think your life is busy now as a student, you're not busy. When you get, when you get out and you start working a 40 hour week, and you get home at the end of the day, you're like, oh my gosh. And so, um, what you're able to do right now by getting up with everybody else here, you're just not going to have that again. I mean, I had nobody who was like, other, apart from Justine, I had nobody who was like living with me who was like, hey, we can, you know, read the Bible with different people and like ask them what they thought about it. So all to say, I just think that this is a great opportunity and I want you guys to take advantage of it. And you guys are. So, um, if you don't know, this is my wife, Justine. Justine, why don't you stand up? This is, she hates this. This is the thing she does not want. So, um, all right, we're gonna we're gonna get started. Let me let me pray, and and then we'll we'll dive in. Father, your word is precious. Proverbs thirty verse five says, "Every word of God proves true. He is a shield for those who take refuge in Him." And I pray that you would. Use this summer of us reading the Bible together for us to take your word seriously. And it would, um, it would be something that we would come back to over and over and over again and be enamored by it. And would you do that? We need your spirit to work so that we can be captivated by your word. So I pray that you do that. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. So, last week, I don't know if you guys remember, but we talked about this verse, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, <laughs> and for training in righteousness. And what we talked about was specifically this part. All scripture is breathed out by God. And the big point that I wanted you guys to take away from last week is it is imperative that the Bible is 100% true. If Christianity, if, if the Bible is not 100% true, I am not a Christian. I'm, I'm walking away. Because there's there's just too much at stake. There's too much at stake for it to not be true. Because if it's not 100% true, then I am the one who gets to decide what is true and what is not true. Does that make sense? Who's deciding? I am. I'm just saying I don't like that. And so I don't think it's true. And if I'm saying what's true and what's not true, then God is no longer the authority. I am. And I, I really want to impress that on you guys. So we talked about that last week. This week, I want us to talk about this. All scripture is breathed out by God, and it is profitable. It is profitable for you. So um, it would be plausible for the Bible to be true, but not actually helpful. Like, it could just be a document that's been written in history and doesn't actually help your everyday life right now. But I want to make the argument that it is exactly what you need. There's a guy, um, you guys know who Louis C.K. is? 
Um, he's a comedian. He's got his own issues. But he, um, I saw him on, I think it was David Letterman, and he made this statement that basically everybody, when they're driving, you go down the, the road and everybody's texting. It's extremely dangerous to text and drive. And he makes a point. He's like, everybody is willing to kill one another because they are so freaking lonely. They can't handle being alone for even a minute. Because, and, and so I think what our, we live in a culture where right now, what the answer is for life's problems is distraction on your phone. Go on social media. Maybe somebody else who's really famous or someone who's gotten wealth has figured it out. And so we're going to go there or we're just going to binge on YouTube. And that's the culture we presently live in. And I want to present a different option, which is, which is the Bible. So, um, I think the Bible is the answer because you were created for the glory of God. You were created to glorify God. And in the Bible, you learn how to do that. So, loving and obeying God equals glorifying God. And I want to show how that's connected to the Bible. Loving and obeying God equals glorifying God. There is a Christian rapper named Shailen. Does anybody know who Shailen is? Love him. And he has kids, and so he has started to make some kids' albums. There's an album he made called Jesus Kids that um, we listen to a lot. And on the, the album, he has a catechism that he's created. You guys know what a catechism is? Catechism in history, um, the church made catechisms with questions that um, culture was answering, or culture was asking, and then it would give answers from the Bible and say, this is the answer. And so he took one of the old catechisms and he basically made it for children. So it was really, really simple. And it starts like this. He says, who made you? God made me. What else did God make? All things. Why did God make all things? For his glory. So it's not about you. Your life is not about you. And as a Christian, that's the best news ever. It's, the pressure's off. It's not about you. You were created for God's glory. How can you glorify God? By loving him and doing what he commands. And where do we learn how to love and obey God? In the Bible. It's so good. It's so good. So in the Bible, you will learn how to love and obey God. All scripture is profitable, like 2 Timothy 3.16 says, because it teaches you how to love and obey God, which is your design purpose. Now, it doesn't only end there. I want to say a, 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 a different statement. Um, loving and obeying God equals glorifying God, but also being captivated by God's glory leads to loving and obeying God. Being captivated by God's glory leads to loving and obeying God. So the way that God has chosen to reveal himself in all of history is a book. And if God, who controls all things, holds all things together, has chosen to primarily reveal himself in a personal way in a book, then that book is inc incredibly important, and it displays this. His glory. So that's what I, I want to convince you guys. The Bible shows God's glory, and I want you guys to be captivated by it. By you being captivated by the Bible, by being captivated by God's glory, you are going to want to love and obey Him. And if you're not a Christian, it's not going to happen. We, the Spirit is the one who helps us be captivated by the Bible. And so when we come to the Word, we want to pray, God, would you help me to see you clearly? 
But this is this is a big piece to you loving and obeying God. So um, this is by uh, our old pastor, Pastor John, in his book, A Peculiar Glory. He draws this picture. He was in um, the Swiss Alps with his wife at one point, and he wrote this uh, in terms of the Bible. He said, I have stood in front of this window, the Bible, all these years, not to protect it from being broken or because the owner of the chalet told me to, but because of the glory of the Alps on the other side. I am a captive of the glory of God revealed in Scripture. So what he's saying is, it's not like the reason that he's he's looking into the Bible is because he's scared that this religion of Christianity is going to break and culture is going to prove it wrong. That's not why he's standing in front of the window. He doesn't need to protect it at all. He's not standing in front of the window because God is a taskmaster. You were created for God's glory. You need to love and obey him, so do it. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying just because he told you to. He's saying he is captivated by God's glory. God wants you to see his glory. And by doing so, you're going to have so much delight by seeing his glory. That's why he is. So we're going to look at two things. Being captivated, being captivated by God's glory leads to loving God and obeying God. So we're going to look at loving God. And I just want to give you a couple of categories for um, how to think about loving God when you come to the Bible. First, the Bible is not a mathematical equation. It's a love letter. Are there any engineer majors in here? Okay, can you give me an equation that is really important to engineering? The name of one? No, I said you're engineering. Okay. <laughs> um, I do know that. But give me another one. E equals MC squared. Yeah, I don't know that one. <laughs> I've heard, I've heard of it. Yeah. I have no idea what it means. But the point is, that could be true, and I don't need to know it in order to live. But if someone wrote a love letter to you, in order for you to be transformed by it, you need to know what it says, right? So the Bible is not like a mathematical equation in that it could be completely true, but it has zero effect on your life. The Bible, you must interact with the Bible. It is a love letter written by God to us. He didn't give up on us. We deserve for him to give up on us, but he didn't. It is a love letter written to us, and we need to interact with it in order to know how to walk with God. Secondly, it is not a masterpiece. It is a window. So um, art critics go around and look at masterpieces, and they critique them, and they categorize them, and think about which one's better than which, and how does this, um, how does this show the philosophy of this specific period in time that, but that's not what we're trying to do when we, when we come to the Bible. We don't hold a view of the Bible as if we're critics. We are held by a view of the Bible. We come to the Bible not to master the Bible, but to be mastered by the Bible. So when you come, um, you should come um, with your heart humble. You should lower your heart and say, I need to learn here. I, I want to learn. Okay, so it's not a masterpiece. Is a window. Third, it is not for comprehension. It is for captivation. So the goal is not, hey, if I just know enough about the Bible, then my life is going to be set. It's, I want to see God in the Bible. That's what I want to see. I want to see God in the Bible. I want to meditate on who he is. Psalm 23, verse 4, verse 3 says stop, stop. verse 3 says he restores my soul 
It's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. And it's not like I'm like learning more things. It's that I'm just thinking that he is the one who restores my soul. In all of life's problems, he restores my soul. Isaiah 40 says, um, he will give strength to those who are weary. That's another one that I've been thinking a lot about. He gives strength to the weary. When I feel tired, he will give me what I need to be able to get through this moment. It's a really good promise as a parent. Um, so it's not for comprehension. It is for captivation. Now, there's a spectrum here of comprehension and captivation. And some of you guys are like, yes, amen. I hate studying the Bible in the morning. It's about captivation. And I would say, yeah, but the, the more comprehension you have, the greater capacity for captivation you have. We study the Bible because we want to understand what, what does the author actually mean here. And it does take some serious thinking to be able to do that. So the work you guys are doing in the morning to understand First Peter is really important. But if it was only, man, if I just understand all of these things, then that, um, that could be damning. The Pharisees never had an argument, or Jesus never had an argument with the Pharisees about theology. He did with the Sadducees, but he didn't with the Pharisees. He agreed with them theologically, but their heart was far from God. So you could know everything you want to know about the Bible and not actually love God. So it is not for comprehension. It is for captivation. Again, we come to the Bible. Lord, would you please help me to see you and to know you when I come to the Bible? Okay? Um, and fourth, it is magical. I mean like Harry Potter spellbinding magical. That's I, Magic is real. And it's in the Bible. So the Bible would say when you come to it, it will interrogate you. It will literally interrogate you. In Isaiah, it says the word of God, no, is that Isaiah or Jeremiah? It says the word of God does not return void. What is that? Jeremiah or Isaiah? What is it? It's Isaiah. Okay. Thank you. Um, it says, it says that the word of God does not return void. So when people interact with the word, it will either harden your heart or soften your heart to who he is. It is magical. It says in uh, Romans 1.16, it says the gospel, the word of the gospel is the power of God. And by words, by people hearing the gospel, they can be saved. Their heart can go from being dead to being alive. In Romans 10, he says, how will people hear if they're not preached to? The words, the literal words of the gospel that you find in the Bible are magical. It changes people, and it changes you. So when we come to the Bible, you got to know uh, it's a little dangerous because it's going to impact you. It will affect you. Every time that you open the Bible, if you're a Christian, you're interacting with the Spirit, it is a good thing. It is magically going to transform you. It's a very, very good thing. So it is magical. All right, so there's some categories for, for loving God. And um, then I want to just talk about what does it look like to obey God? So let's go back to 2 Timothy 3.16, and we're just going to work through the, um, the the things that he says it's profitable for. He says it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All right, so for teaching, what does that word mean? Um, essentially, it means the knowledge that you need to know. Okay, so when you come to the Bible, you're learning more and more things. And what I would recommend is as a practical, I would recommend for every single one of you, if you have not read through the whole Bible, try and do that before you graduate. 
read through the entire Bible. When I became a Christian, I was 11. My dad's a pastor. And he was like, why don't you start reading through the Bible? So every night, I would read six chapters. And by the time I was in the eighth grade, I read it like three times. And that was so transforming for me as a little kid to know the Bible really well. I cannot implore you enough. If you have not read the whole Bible, do it. Just read through it. If you, I said this last week, if you were to say, hey, I'm going to sacrifice half of the time that I spent on my phone, and instead I'm going to start reading through the Bible, I guarantee you could get it through in like three months. It's not a long book. I mean, it seems it seems pretty big, right? But like, I mean, I read fantasy novels that, that have more words than, than the Bible does, which is an indictment on DPIM. But um, <laughs> I shouldn't have shared that. <laughs> um, don't tell anyone else. Um, so... Um, the, the Bible's not a long book. You can you could read it every year. You know, there's there was a guy who who ran an orphanage um, in the 1800s in, in England. Oh, what's his name? Man, I forget. What? Mueller. Mueller. Mueller read through the Bible four times a year. It and I don't think it was that hard. I if if and and here's here's I mean you're like man I just don't have time to do something like that. And then I would just say. What's your screen time been like? Let's go on your settings and look at your screen time, right? Like, I, it's just, our, our screen time is so indicting. It's like, man, I, okay, maybe I do have a little more time than I, than I thought I did. And I'm telling you, this book is going to give you life. Your phone is not. Your phone is using you. The Bible will transform you and, and give you more life. So I would just really encourage you, dive into it, and it will teach you. Um, okay, so for reproof, what does reproof mean? You know, this word, it says, like, prove to reproof. So it's basically saying, like, you had a conviction. You, you're saying, this is the proof that I'm living off of. And when you're reproved, you're saying, okay, my conviction is changing. My, like, it's, it's a paradigm shift. It's saying, I was thinking this way, and now I am thinking this way. So the Bible's going to help you reorient your life to, um, to what you should rightly live for. Um, correction. Correction means I have done something wrong, and it is moving me towards what I, how I should actually be living. Okay, I have done something wrong, and I don't want to live that way. And the Bible is going to help you as you interact with it. So today we're going to look at application, and one of the applications on that little sheet that we have is: um, Is there a command to follow? Is there sin to repent of? This would be correction. Okay, is there something that I'm throw away that I'm thinking or doing something that's wrong, and I want to change that. And then lastly, for training. Now, this is a proactive training, okay? This is going to help you when you get in certain situations to be able to fight sin and to be able um, to deal with suffering. So fighting sin, Psalm 119, verse 9 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's training. I have stored up your word in my heart. I know your word. Because I know your word, I'm, I will not sin against you. How can a young man keep his way pure? Sorry, that's Psalm. I said Psalm 119. It's Psalm 119, verse 11. But I said, I have stored up your word in my heart, but I will not sin against you. So it's for training. And it's for, it's for training and suffering. And the book of First Peter is, is talking about that. And we're gonna, the, the verse we're going to talk about today, First Peter 1, 13, you know, it says, being sober-minded. Thinking clearly about the present circumstances. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you. And 
Romans 8.18 says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And if you put the Word of God in your mind, and if you are proactive about training yourself to, to have habits that are the right groove, then when hard things come, you're going to have categories to deal with it. I'm going to get into that more this next week because we're going to talk about memorization this next week. And I'm going to share a little bit about how that has really benefited Justine and I. But I cannot employ you guys enough. The Word of God, you can stake your life on this book. You can stake your life on this book. It is a good, good book. Um, so let me give you an example of these. Um, outside of the Bible, okay? Just to really nail this down. I love to cook. Um, and it's only happened in the last three years that I've started enjoying cooking. We, we make meals for, um, about 50 students every Friday. And, uh, in the last couple of years, I've become the main cook. And so I've really enjoyed learning how to cook. Um, and I really like cooking meat, like pork and other things. Um, but let's say, let's say that I really like to cook pork at 130 degrees, and then I think it's done. Chase, is that okay for me to cook pork at 130 degrees? No. No. No, 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 But I'm like, but I just love, you know, I just love it's just a little cooler, and I I, I think it, it, you know, you get a little bit more of the flavor out of it. Yeah, Chase is shaking his head. Chase also likes to cook. Um, and, okay, so that would not be good. The, the actual temp you need to cook pork at is 145, okay? So, that is the, at 145, if it's ground, it's 165, okay? You have to have at least 145, and then you need to let it rest for three minutes, and it's going to keep cooking a little bit, okay? So, I need to be taught that, I need to be taught that, I need to be taught that it's 145, not 130, right? And then, <laughs> I need to change, right? Because if I don't change, if my paradigm doesn't shift, then... People are going to die by my cooking. <laughs> it is not okay to cook pork to 130 degrees. Okay, so I need to I need to change my thinking into thinking. Okay, it's not just about taste; it's also about safety and what is actually edible. All right, it's not edible at 130. So I'm changing my paradigm, and then I need to be corrected. So the next time I cook pork, I cannot do 130 degrees. I know what it is now. I know that it's bad. I needed to get it to 145 degrees, all right? And then training, I, if I want to be a good cook and I want people to like pork, which pork is delicious, like a shoulder, pork shoulder, slow cooked is incredible. Like what, what I'm going to learn, if I, if I was taught properly, what I'm going to learn is that around 200 to 225 degrees over eight hours, I mean, depending on how big the meat is, the fat actually at that temperature, it does something different at that temperature than it does if you cook it higher. So if you cook it too high, then it actually hardens it, and it makes it kind of gristly. But if you cook it at that temperature, then it actually melts the fat, which is what you want. And so then all of that fat just becomes extremely flavorful all over the meat, all right? Now, that's teaching, and I need a lot of training to do that. In order to become a good cook where you can cook pork, you've got to do it over and over and over again, all right? So that's an example outside of the Bible what those things mean. But in real life, the Bible is going to teach you how to deal with sin, and it's going to teach you how to deal the suffering, the, the hardship of the world and the hardship of your own sin. It's going to teach you how to deal with those things. So that's all I got for, for um, the, the training. We're going to get into the workshop. Let me pray, and then 
Um, we'll take a small break and we'll get into it. Father, um, as we are captivated by your glory, we learn how to love and obey you. And um, as we read this morning, all flesh is like grass, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And it doesn't only endure in a boring way, it is um, glorious. And I pray that you would, in your, by your spirit, would you help our hearts to be um, challenged and uh, invoked to, to respond by wanting to see your word more and wanting to know what it says. And would you help us be captivated by your glory? I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the 2022 Summer Training Project hosted by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church. Please feel free to share this message with others, but please don't charge, edit, or alter the content in any way without the written permission of Campus Outreach Minneapolis.